I've got the man who caused a running gag in Japan. And I've got gold in them thar hills. Hello there. Welcome to Date Fight. Hello. It's the 24th of January. What does that mean? All I know is it means it's Friday. <laughs> and that means nothing to us because we're here seven days a week. <laughs> we do it every day. Weeks have lost all meaning. Days have lost all meaning. Our children have lost all meaning. <laughs> They've certainly lost all sense of who I am. We take great moments yeah. from history and we pitch them against each other. Yes, we do. He is Jake Yap. I am Nat Tapley. And together we will be trawling through the index of history to find the two most amusingly titled entries and present them to you for your entertainment. Using the Dewey Decimal System. Mmm, my favourite. I'm sorry it's Dewey. I was nervous. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> we are dads. We're very tired. Yes. It's been a long week. Round one! Round one, I'm going to take you back to the 24th of January, 1848, when James W. Marshall was standing in a river looking at the contents of the water. <laughs> oh, oh <good. laughs> He'd been hired... <laughs> Say underpants. <laughs> <laughs> he'd been hired by Johann Sutter to build a sawmill. They thought, because California wasn't even... Uh, a territory of the United States at that point. It was still disputed territory between Mexico and America. But Johann Sutter said to James W. Marshall, why don't you slide off over there to uh, California, well, where California will be at some point in the future, and build a sawmill, because there's loads of trees over there, really big ones. And so that's what he was doing. Um, but unfortunately, his tail race was too small. And the tail race... Oh dear. Yeah, that's the ditch where the water that comes out of the mill goes. So he had a huge idea. He said, what I will do is I will run the river through the existing tail race and then it'll sort of widen it by itself every night. So he used to <laughs> sorry, do that every I'm night. I'm sorry, I'm very sorry. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. So he'd widen it every so, night, would he? Yeah, he didn't want the problem of having a narrow tail race. Or it would widen itself. Uh, but when he got there in the morning... How, how wide is your tail race? is girthsome, but not toothsome. He got there in the morning and <laughs> he noticed... Mine is fulsome. <laughs> he noticed sparkly things in the water, sparkly bits of metal. Uh, and he said to himself, hello... Mmm, I know what that... In fact, we, he's written down what he said to himself. Let me just find it. There it is. He said to himself, I picked up one or two pieces and examined them attentively, and having some general knowledge of minerals, I could not call to mind more than two which in any way resembled this. Iron, very bright and brittle, and gold, bright yet malleable. I then tried it between two rocks and found that it could be beaten into a different shape, but not broken. I then collected four or five pieces, and I went up to Mr. Scott, who was working at the carpenter's bench making the mill wheel, with the pieces in my hand, and I said, I have found it. What is it? inquired Scott. Gold, I answered. Oh, no, replied Scott. That can't be. I said, I know it to be nothing else. And he went away and he told Johann Sutter, I found gold. And Johann Sutter said, don't tell anyone, whatever you do. Otherwise... It'll spoil everything, and all the land around there will become really expensive. Don't tell anyone. So he didn't. He just told the people who were working at the mill that in their spare time, they could go and look for gold. However, a couple of months later, a newspaper proprietor heard about the gold and put it on the front page at the same time as they opened a gold mining equipment company. 
oh. which was very forward thinking of me. He went, hey, there's gold in them now, Hills, and also yeah. I have gold mining equipment just available across the street. Yeah, wow. Um, it's, a kind of, it's a great kind of hold the front page. No, <laughs> no. Wait. Just give me time to open We're my... We're going to run this story in... How long does it take to ship pickaxes from the East Coast? Yeah, yeah exactly that, that long. long. The news did take quite a while. It still took a few months for it to filter back east. But when it did, it started the Great Gold Rush of 1849. Um, and Amazing. in one year, hundreds of thousands of people made it across thousands of miles of what wasn't even America yet. Although the war with Mexico did end four days after gold was found, uh, which was very handy. And California became a US territory. In 1848, San Francisco was made up of 200 people. By 1850, it was 25,000 people. Wow. So 25,000 people arrived in San Francisco in two years. Rikles. Which really sped up the process of it becoming a proper state. They must have had to a proper state. really make those tailgates gape open for that. Yeah. They were, they were wide as they could be. And still are to this day. Yawning. Oh, and didn't do James Marshall any good, though. James Marshall um, never finished his sawmill because every able-bodied man in the area went to look for gold instead of helping him finish his sawmill, so he lost all his money on that. Oh, dear. He then started a vineyard, which failed, and then he invested in a gold mine, which failed. He died penniless in a small cabin. That's James Marshall, who discovered gold and started the California Gold Rush. So he essentially invented California. It's amazing that it can be attributed to literally that one guy in that one place. That's where it started. Yeah. He was given a small pension for a couple of years by the state of California because he contributed to its existence, uh, but then they took it away after four years because, I don't know, he was probably wasting it on gold and things. <laughs> right, let me take you back to the evening of the 24th of January <laughs> okay. in 1972. Oh, my goodness. And two men, All right. Jesus Duenas and Manuel de Gracia... Mm-hmm. Two local men... Local to where? Two local men in Guam... Guam? ...are checking their shrimp traps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this sounds like your sort of story. <laughs> Along a small river. <laughs> yeah. They were looking through their gaping white tail rays at their little <laughs> shrimp traps. Yeah. This is just filth. This podcast is just early morning yeah. filth. What's, well, there's no better kind. It's only works anymore. This is down the southern end of the island of Guam. Guam looks a bit like... A sock, mm-hmm. and this would be nearing the toe at the bottom. I see. And they come across a guy who they think, well, this must be a villager from Talofofo. Right. Well, obviously, that's that's the only reasonable explanation. Yeah. So they went, oh, good evening. We're just checking on shrimp traps here. And this guy went absolutely berserk wow. and tried to attack them. Whoa. And I'm like, whoa, 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 fella, fella, there's plenty of shrimp. There's plenty of <laughs> He's shrimp. From the Shrimp Liberation League. I'd just like to remind you that it's 1972. Yeah. And it turns out that the guy they came across yeah. is a guy called Sergeant Shoichi Yokoi, oh. who... For him, the war is still going on <laughs> in I mean, 1972. I, think, I know these stories are always held up as, like, the determination of the Japanese not to be beaten. But at the same time, there comes a point in everyone's life where they probably get this game of hide-and-seek <laughs> is over. No one is looking for me. Yeah. There's only so many water voles I can eat <laughs> before my quality of life is such. So they managed to calm and, him down, these two guys. But also, they probably didn't look, look much like American soldiers, given they were checking shrimp traps. Yeah, not so much. Do you think the Americans were now at war with the shrimp? I mean, you'd think you'd go a little bit further afield to sort of just see, who oh, anyone about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what had happened was, was, uh, American forces captured the island in 1944. Yeah. And he went into hiding with nine other Japanese soldiers. Yeah. Uh, seven of the ten 
it just says moved away. Mm, that's what he said. We don't know where they went. We don't know what happened. To, yeah, yeah. That's what he said. They went somewhere. Very they disappeared. Very well fed he was for those. They walked over near, near that pile of bones and didn't come back. Then there were three left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they separated. Like, let's split up. But Sorry, they, when did they, they decide to do this? Like 1964, 20 years in. 1964 is the year the other two died in a flood. So they, they racked up 20 <laughs> years living like this. And then there was a flood. So for the last eight years, he lived by himself. Wow. He would go hunting at night and he would use native plants to make his clothes, bedding and storage implements, which he carefully hid in his cave, which I think is an hour visitor's attraction. <laughs> He'd assumed that he was he was going to get killed right. on capture. OK. Uh, so instead they were like, come down to the commissioner's office and I tell you what, no, have some soup, mate. Mm. Let's make you some soup. So I had some soup. Then they did some questioning and stuff and told them who he was. And he was he was pretty healthy. Yeah. He was a bit thin. He was a bit weak, but mm. pretty good. He was undrowned, unlike the other two. Yeah. He had actually known that World War II had ended for 20 years. <laughs> He'd been watching TV. Yes, he fashioned a crude 8-inch <laughs> television. It was only black and white, out of cactus <laughs> and... Horror. Just a preview box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but he feared coming out of hiding, saying, look, we were always told that we should prefer death to the disgrace of being captured alive. Oh. It's just, just unbelievable. Anyway, so he, he got shipped back to Japan. Yeah. And he gets back and the, the, the press is there waiting for him to say something. And he says, it is with much embarrassment that I return. <laughs> and everyone's like, Classic! <laughs> Classic, Classic Sergeant Watts' his name World War Two hiding bants And it became like A running gag in Japan Everyone was like It's with much embarrassment that I return honey I'm divorcing <laughs> you I hate you what, what, But anyway the point is Yeah He got back pay What? For his 28 nice. years He got back pay He got $300 of back oh. pay <laughs> I mean he had deserted fairly early on It sounds like He wasn't coming back Because he had deserted I mean you know, whatever. I mean... So really, he shouldn't have had any back pay. Give that back. <laughs> OK, Katie Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> Nat Tapley, unconventional, outrageous. Is it just me? Or well, all these... <laughs> you couldn't make it up. <laughs> I think we should, uh, we should have Lovely. to start bringing in a new feature called Nat Tapley, unconventional, outrageous... <laughs> Where you just do a little yeah, one-minute audio column. Do a little rant about people who've been hiding in the jungle for 30 yeah. years. What's the deal with that? Yeah. Instead, just do the birthdays. Happy birthday, birthday. Happy birthday to 18th century Whig politician Charles Fox. He was the great rival of Pitt the Younger, um, and he hated George III so much that he dressed in the colours of George Washington's army, um, and he was pro the French Revolution, he was anti-slavery. Charles Fox, he was pretty good, but when he died, they cut his abdomen open and found a hardened liver, 35 gallstones, and seven oh. pints of transparent fluid. <laughs> Five gold rings. <laughs> Happy birthday to squeaky voice comedian Kirsten Schall, who you have heard if you've heard any animated movie in the last decade. <laughs> also, happy birthday to Adrian Edmondson. Uh, we all love his bottom. 
Happy death day. I loved your boss. Happy death day to Jörg Janach, the Swiss political leader in the Thirty Years' War who was murdered by a man dressed as a bear. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you any more in case I need to use that word yep. in future. Yes, you will. Happy death day to Elron Hubbard, the and who came up with an entire religion which does tremendous to many of the people in it. I say possibly Yes. I mean, outrageous, unconventional. <laughs> he can't be stopped. He's literally going to bankrupt us and send us to prison. <laughs> He says the unthinkable and thinks the unsayable. I mean, do you want me to leave it in or not? Um, I don't. <laughs> I think I'm just going to put a long bleep. You just bleep it. Just yeah. a huge bleep. <laughs> <laughs> Happy death day to Mark E. Smith, who said, Rock and roll isn't even music, really. It's a mistreating of instruments to get feelings over. Happy death day to you, Mark E. Smith. Let's do round two. I'm just trying to keep you safe, baby. <clears throat> right. It is January the 24th, AD 41. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What happened all the way back then? Well, we've got a new Roman emperor, guys. Great news. Nice. Uh, it's Claudius. Uh, don't ask about what oh. was happened to the previous guy. He got a bit sort of assassinated. Uh, that was his nephew, of course, Caligula. Caligula, yeah. I mean, he did deserve uh, to be assassinated, though. I mean, was it, he was one of the... That's a good, a good assassination. Well, I mean... No, no assassination. Like okay. that of Jörg Janach, who was killed by a man dressed as a bear. <laughs> I mean, that's a good one. That's an absolute humdinger. But Caligula, uh, that was actually his nickname. It meant Little Soldier's Boot, mm. um, because he toured around with his dad in uh, Germania. Oh, and his little shoes. L- little boots, yeah. yes. Little boots. <laughs> and he, uh, supposedly, as a ruler, actually, he was quite noble and quite moderate mm. uh, for the first six months. Then he absolutely <laughs> lost it, mate. <laughs> That's what I hope they say about me. He was very generous and very moderate (laughs) for a period of some months before he started murders. The first six months of every relationship, you know, you're you're trying to be charming. It's the old. He was holding his parts in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, honestly, it was very, very sweet, very considerate. Then he started leaving his socks around, leaving the bathroom door open, and murdering people. Pretty much. So, I mean. There aren't that many contemporaneous accounts, so we don't know how much of this is true. So, mm. uh, I mean, they they talk much of his cruelty, his sadism, his extravagance, his sexual perversion. They call him an insane tyrant. Um, we do know that during his brief reign, he worked to increase the unconstrained personal power of the emperor. Tell me if any of this sounds familiar right now. <laughs> But there's a fun story, which is uh, uh, two years before uh, he got a bit stabbed, Mm. he ordered the incredible stunt. Uh, Like, he expanded his palace humongously. I think it was something like half a mile long. It was something ridiculous. Mm. Like, roads got erased to make this palace. But he he got this uh, floating bridge built using ships as pontoons, stretching from uh, a resort called Bay to the neighbouring port of Puteoli. Mm-hmm. It was two miles long. What? Yeah. That's very long. But what he did was he got his favourite horse, not the one that they say 
he actually appointed as an advisor yeah. a different one in Citatus. Imagine having that many favourite horses. He basically rode across this pontoon, and this was in defiance of a prediction by his soothsayer, uh. a guy called Thrasilus of Mendes, uh, who said, I'll tell you what, <laughs> mate, this classic soothsayer bants, you got, yeah. you got uh, no more chance of becoming an emperor than you have of riding a horse across the Bay of Bay. I'll show you. And he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know. I couldn't find evidence of what happened. I believe the soothsayer... I heard... I, I saw a TV show about it. Yeah. And it said that the soothsayer had actually predicted the date of his death. Oh. Uh, he said, you will die on this day. This day, the 24th of January. Yeah. And uh, of AD 41. Right. And he was like, oh, crikey. And he, he believed it. Right. And he got increasingly paranoid as the date came. And his tyranny got so much the worse because he was so frightened. So he'd have senators killed and guards sacked and stuff because he, he was just paranoid that someone around him was going to kill him. And everyone got so fed up with all the things he was doing as he got nearer that date. Hmm. That it actually became a self-fulfilling prophecy, and they they murdered him in the evening because they were like, "We've had enough um, of you." Was he murdered by a soothsayer? Not the soothsayer. It was uh, supposedly a conspiracy of the officers of the Praetorian Guard, senators, and courtiers. Mm. Um, and mm. they declared they immediately the same day declared Caligula's uncle Claudius, mm -hmm. better known as Clavdivs, the next Roman emperor. <laughs> Well, that's exciting. Didn't he also have massive boats in... He had, he had a lake full had, of massive boats, had, which we found. He had two enormous boats. One had effectively a palace yeah. on it, a marble palace with plumbing and everything. And they actually uh, found the ships and raised them. They, mm. they were, Obviously, they'd sunk. And in 1930, they brought them back up to the surface and they had them. And then in the Second World War... But you can't see them today. No, 1944, <laughs> they burnt as a result of we a bombed them. bombing raid. Yeah. Ta-da! This is another one that ends with, and we were atrocious. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> and they burned as a result of a bombing raid is a really nicely passive way of saying, we bombed it, we set fire to them. Yeah, well, what would you rather? Would you rather be having to salute Hitler right now? <laughs> well. Uh, would you? Unconventional. Outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> you need a sting for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nat Chaplin. Unconventional. Outrageous. 24th of January 2018. Nat, you are absolutely <laughs> taking it. <laughs> well, I couldn't resist. In the last I week, we've resist. had 2019, 2018... I'm going to take you back to the 24th of January, 15 minutes ago, when Nat Tapley talked about... <laughs> I'm going to take you to the King Abdul Aziz Camel Festival, or Camel Fest, as I like to call it. Cam Fest, yeah, yeah. At which 12 camels were disqualified for having Botoxed faces. Shut up, are you serious? I'm absolutely serious. They found a vet who had been caught doing plastic surgery to reduce the size of the ears of the camels and put Botox in their lips, nose and even jaw. You have to be kidding me. Nope. Ali Al-Mazrouni. Did they... Did it, was it... <clears throat> I'm not being funny, but... Were they dromedary or Bactrian? Like, did they, they were get, Did they get their humps done? No. <laughs> they started as dromedary. <laughs> Just want to go a bit bigger. It's text drum after more than... So, anyway. Um, <laughs> Ali Almas. 
really son of a camel breeder. (laughs) (laughs) He's the son of a camel breeder, which sounds like an insult. Um, Said said of the treatment, it makes the head more inflated. So when the camel comes, it's like, oh, look at how big that head is. It has big lips, a big nose. Good. I think I want to kiss it. The festival provided $31.8 million in prizes for the beautiful camels. Oh, wow. And at the time, they had put up a link on their website to the standards of camel beauty image, (laughs) but unfortunately that link is broken now, and I can only find the alt text which says, uh, leathery mouth is good. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. So there we go. I love a bit of leathery mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I think you can get that in Vauxhall. Um, if you kiss enough camels, you can get leathery mouth. You know what they say, you've got to kiss a lot of camels to get a leathery mouth. <laughs> to get a hump. <laughs> anyway. Outrageous. Unconventional. <laughs> and probably illegal. 24th of January 2018. I couldn't resist oh, it. No, Apparently absolutely. it's a very sad story because they pull the camel's lips and they fill them full of hormones and actually it's not. It's not funny at all, but um, I found it hilarious. Are they, of all the things we do to animals, that's like way down the list. (laughs) Giving them good lips. It's just making them more kissable. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) (laughs) You had something done. I don't know, you Uh, look sort of, I don't know, more more camely. Yeah. (laughs) A camely camel. Wow. Well, now I completely understand. I, I take everything back. All my accusations. I, I take it completely back. And if people don't vote for you, yeah, that's a I'm going to be cross with them because you should absolutely win that. Um, if you'd like to vote yes. for which of these you think is the best, it's a date fight, guys. Mm. And uh, you should stick with us across the weekend because we will be yep. finding out who won this week's fight on Sunday's podcast. And issuing forfeits to the loser. Yes, and I'm ready. Uh, if you want to vote, it's uh, uh, at date underscore fight on Twitter. Yes, or uh, at facebook.com forward slash date fight. Yeah, and uh, have you been across it this week? Yeah. Do you have a, some sense of where it's all going? No, I don't, actually. I tried That's to good. look less than I did last week. Um, and I think I forgot to put them up on Facebook one day, so I'm going to go back and check that. So keep your eyes on Facebook, everyone. But yeah, hurried flurry of polls coming your way. <laughs> Just, um, have you got any, like, camel... Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got the Standards of Camel Beauty chart, which I will send over. We can put it up on the, Amazing. On the Twitter. So you send it to me first, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, send it to you. I'll put it in the Dropbox. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for today. Wishing you happy See? dreams of sexy camels. Yes. If you are at the Abdulaziz Camel Festival this year, uh, you know, yeah. just good luck in whatever you're doing. I want to see some, like... I want to see like some, some camel spin like camel love island. <laughs> uh, we could do this. We, we'd better get off and do that. We'll let these people get back to their their day. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Thanks very much for your time. We'll see you tomorrow. Hopefully, if you're around, we can okay, great. Bye. Nat Chaplin, unconventional, outrageous.